So there are four things that I would like to talk about today. Number one is the 17th of Tammuz, the day that the walls of Jerusalem were breached, the number 17. Number two, the three weeks, the number three. Number three, the 21 days from the 17th of Tammuz until the 9th of Av. And number four, the concept of the number nine for the ninth of Av. We begin with the 17th of Tammuz. The number 17, we know, is the gematria of the word tov, of the word good. The word good is spelled tes, vav, bez. Tes is nine. Vav is six. Bez is two, which is number 17. So we begin the three weeks with the fast day of the 17th of Tammuz. Already we're told that this is a good day. But there are two types of good. There's a good that is good to begin with, that you see right away the good. And then there's a good that first started off bitter, but later it worked out good. It was transformed into good. And this good is a greater good. When you have something which starts off bad and difficult and hard, and then you see how it comes out to be good, it's transformed into a victory, it becomes successful, this joy is greater than a joy that was good to begin with. We find this concept by Isaac, by Yitzchak, when he told his son to bring for him matamim, prepare for him delicacies. Now Yitzchak was an old man. Why did he need a bunch of delicacies? So the Altareb explains in Tanya that there are two types of delicacies, there are two types of foods. There's one type of food that is sweet to begin with. And then there is another type of food that starts off very sharp, but when you put the right seasoning on it, it becomes very delicious. It revives the soul. So we have these two types of services to God. One is to begin with, we do the right thing. And then we have the aspect that sometimes there's destruction, sometimes there's sin, sometimes there, there's chaos. But we have the ability to transform all of the negative and make this positive. And this brings about a graver, a greater revival to the soul, a greater joy. So this year, in addition to the fact that the 17th of Tammuz is the 17th of Tammuz, which is good, this year the 17th of Tammuz also fell out on a Tuesday. And Tisha B'Av, which is three weeks later, is also on a Tuesday. And we know the Torah tells us, when God created the world, when it came to Tuesday, it says the word toiv, it says the word good twice. Representing this double good. Not only a good that you see to begin with, but also a good that transforms all negative and makes that positive as well. How does one have the power to transform something which is negative and make it good? Where do we get that strength from? We get that strength from the Torah. Everything comes from the Torah. Hashem oiz Hashem gives strength to the Jewish people. Ein oiz What is the real strength? That is the strength of the Torah. 
So in the Torah itself, we find the number 17 is connected with the idea of good. And that is Yosef Hatzadik, who was 17 years old when he went down into Egypt. It seems to be a negative thing. However, when we read the end of the story, Yosef became the viceroy, and now he became the leader of the whole world, and then Jacob came down into Egypt. What does it say? It says, Vayechi Yaakov bi'eres Mitzrayim shva esrishana. It says, Yaakov lived in Mitzrayim 17 years. The story told that the Tzemach Tzedek once came home and told his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, how his teacher translated the Pasuk. His teacher translated the Pasuk like the Balaturim. That Yaakov lived the best years of his life in Mitzrayim. On one hand, it was Mitzrayim. On one hand, it's Golos, it's exile. Mitzrayim etymologically means limitations and borders and constraints. Yet in Mitzrayim, the Torah says Yaakov lived 17 years. Why is Torah giving us a number? to hint to us that 17 is toiv, 17 is good. The best years of his life, he lived in Mitzrayim. So the Semach Tzedek asked the Alter Rebbe, how is it possible that in Mitzrayim, Yaakov should live the best years of his life? Yaakov represents the study of Torah. He was a holy Jew. He would think the best years of his life would be in Eretz Yisrael, in the Holy Land of Israel. And the Altarev answered that before Yaakov went down to Mitzrayim, he sent down Judah to open up a yeshiva to study Torah in Goishan. Says the Torah, that if there is Torah, even in Goishan, Goishen means to come close. So by the fact that a Jew studies Torah, he's able to come close to God, even in Egypt, even in Mitzrayim. So this pasuk of Yosef being 17, and then Yaakov living 17, gives us the strength to transform every Egypt, every difficulty that we have in our life, and every shortcoming, and every travail, and every challenge, and every hardship that externally seems to be Egypt, it seems to be painful. It seems to be constraint. At the same time, says the Torah, Yaakov, you should know our father Jacob, who was the father of all the Jewish people, who the Jewish people are called B'nai Yaakov, we are given that DNA, we are given that gene, we are given that strength to be able to transform every Egypt and make that 70, make that good. And then we appreciate the good even more than a life that is without difficulty. Because we appreciate this transformation. It's like the food that was bitter and now became very tangy and pungy and revives the soul. And this concept of toiv, this concept of 17, is also directly connected with Geula, directly connected with redemption, as we find in the book of Rus, in chapter 3, verse 13, it says, 
which means if he will redeem you, then good, fine, let him redeem you. So we see that the word toiv is connected with geula, toiv is connected with redemption. The number 17 is the seeds of redemption. And furthermore, ain't toiv ala Torah. True good is Torah study. And therefore we find that even though there were three forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yet we're not called B'nai Avraham, even though the shul is called B'nai Avraham, but we're not called B'nai Yitzchak, but we are called B'nai Yaakov, the sons of Yaakov, which means that our connection is more to Yaakov than even Avraham and Yitzchak, perhaps. What does Avram represent? Avram represents chesed, which is kindness. When is a person obligated to do kindness? If you make money, you're supposed to give 10% to charity. You do kindness. If someone asks you for a favor, you do kindness. Before davening, it says you're supposed to give tzedakah, you're supposed to do kindness. But there's no concept of doing kindness 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Yes, an opportunity for kindness, we do it. But there's no such mitzvah 24-7 when it comes to kindness. That's Avraham. Avraham was a man of kindness. He had a tent that was open from all four sides. He was Isha Chesed, and therefore every Jew needs to be kind. We have to be charitable. And if, if we are not, then we have to check if we are Jewish or not. Because this is one of the signs of a Jew that he's a kind person and he's charitable. But yet we don't find the mitzvah as 24-7. Yitzchak represents the concept of prayer. We know prayer takes the place of sacrifices. Tfilah b'mokoim karbonis tiknum. Yitzchak represents the idea of prayer because he himself offered his life as a sacrifice. He put himself down on the altar in the binding of Isaac. But when do we daven? Three times a day. On Shabbos, a fourth prayer. In Kippur, a fifth prayer. But there's no mitzvah to daven 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yaakov represents Torah. Yaakov ishtam yeshev oyelim. Yaakov was a complete person, a wholesome person. And what did he do? He sat in the tent all day, the tent of Torah. And we have a verse in the Torah, that one has the obligation... A Jew has the obligation to study Torah day and night. So you're exempt if you're sleeping. You're exempt if you have to make a living. You're exempt if you're davening. But if you're not davening, and you're not making a living, and you're not sleeping, then you have no choice. You have to learn. You have to learn Torah 24 hours a day, 24-7. We are called Bnei Yaakov. We are called the children of Jacob. Bnei Yisrael. And therefore, this reminds us that the way we overcome our Egypt and the way a Jew makes the best out of Golos for the last few seconds right before Mashiach reveals himself is through the study of Torah. Which is interesting that even on Tisha B'Av, which is a day of mourning and a day of sadness, the halacha is we don't study every part of Torah, but we study Torah connected with Tisha B'Av. But even on Tisha B'Av, we study Torah. Because a Jew needs Torah 24-7. He cannot survive without Torah. This is our life, this is our breath, this is our water, this is our food. We have to study Torah. 
So we're told that Yaakov Avinu, how did he overcome Egypt? How did he overcome exile? How did a Jew overcome hardship, challenge, pain, suffering, sickness? Through the study of Torah. That is the remedy, that is the refu, and that brings about the geula. So therefore the Rebbe told us that one of the ways we are to prepare for Mashiach is number one, of course, to increase in Torah study in general, but in particular to study the Torah dealing with Mashiach. What will Mashiach do? What does Mashiach represent? What is the name of Mashiach, etc., etc.? As we know that the Talmud says, even though today we cannot bring the Ola sacrifice, we cannot bring the Sin sacrifice, we cannot bring the Shlomim sacrifice, how does one fulfill the mitzvah of these sacrifices? Says the Gemara, when you learn the laws of the Karban Ola, you are bringing the Karban Ola. When you learn the laws of the Karban Chatos, you bring your Karban Chatos. So similarly, the way we connect ourselves with Mashiach, we make Mashiach a reality, and we bring about the Kami of Mashiach, is to specifically study the laws dealing with Mashiach, which is found in the Rambam, and found in the Gemara, and found in many of the, the books of our sages that deal with this topic. So this is the idea of im yigolech, toiv yigol. That redemption is connected with the word toiv, with good, which is connected with Torah. Now, on a Kabbalistic level, we are told that Joseph represents the sphera of Yesod. Joseph represents the attribute of Yesod. Yesod means bonding, connection. And they bring a proof from the fact that Yosef was 17 when he went down into Egypt. So from here we see that the number 17 is directly connected with the attribute of Yesod, the attribute of bonding. Which is interesting to note that Yosef, that represents the leader of the Jewish people, and Yosef, that is connected with the word tov, which represents redemption, is also directly connected with the interesting story in the Talmud. It says when the enemies of the Jewish people came into the Holy Temple. What did they see? Says the Talmud, they saw how the two kuruvim, The two Kuruvim were embracing one the other. According to many commentaries, the face of these two Kuruvim was the child, the face of a child. One had the child of a boy, the face of a boy, and the other had the face of a girl. And these two Kuruvim were embracing each other. And the nations of the world began to mock the Jewish people, look, what these Jewish people are dealing with. In the holiest of holies, what do you have? You have a boy and a girl embracing each other. Not understanding the mystery of the Kuruvim, not understanding the deeper level that lied beneath the Kuruvim, which represented God and the Jewish people. The bonding and the love that God has for the Jewish people. It's interesting halacha that before a man goes on a trip, before he leaves his wife, they have to be together. 
So our rabbis tell us that before God, so to speak, left the Jewish people, before the Shekhinah left the Jewish people, there was a bonding between God and the Jewish people so that the Jewish people not forget God, always remember God even during the days of exile. So Yosef represents the Jewish people through the agony of exile. And it's connected with the number 17, for Joseph was 17 when he went down into exile. But this bonding still exists even when a Jew is in exile. So how do we see 17 connected with the concept of Yisod? It's interesting that if you add up the word Yisod, which is Yud, Samach, Vav, and Dalit, using the Mispar Kotan, which means you only use the lower number, you knock off all the zeros. So Yud is 1 instead of 10. Samach is 6, six instead of 6D. Vav is 6. And Dalit is 4. So you have 4 plus 6 plus 6 plus 1 equals 17. The actual word Yusoid is the gematria of 17. Furthermore, the Nekuda, the vowel that represents the attribute of Yusoid, it says in Kabbalah, is the Nekuda of the Malupam. The Malupam is a line with a dot next to it, representing male and female, the bonding of God and the Jewish people. And here too, the Malupam, if you add up the Nekudas, because every nukuda, every vowel also has a gematria. So a single line is like a vav, which is six, and a dot is like the yud, which is ten. So you have the dot, which is ten, and then you have the vav, which is six, is sixteen. So where do you have seventeen? But we know when it comes to gematria that in addition to the letters of a word, the whole word, when you unite it together, you add one more. That's called the koilil. Because what makes it a word? If you have independent letters, you have a lot of independent letters. How do we make this letter associated with another letter? By adding the number one, we add that word together. That's called the kolel. So here, too, in the Nukudis, you have the kolel. You have the vav, the line, which is six. You have the dat, which is ten, equals sixteen. In a kolel, you have seventeen. So we see that the word you saw it equals seventeen. The Nukuda which is the vowel equals 17. And this is all connected with Yosef, which is the idea of Yosef, reminding us that when a Jew is in exile, the way we get out of our personal exile and the way we get out of the general exile is through the idea of bonding and cheshek, which means a desire. When a yid studies Torah, not only to become knowledgeable, or not only because he has to, but he studies Torah because he wants to bond with God. And he bonds with a cheshe, with a passionate yearning and a passionate desire to become one with God. That is the way, and that is the easiest way for us to schlep ourselves out of our gullus, out of our churban, out of our own destruction. So this is number 17. So right away we start off with good. Even though it's three weeks, which are weeks of mourning, but right away the Torah tells us you should know, look beneath the surface. 
see the purpose of these three weeks, and that is that it should be transformed into the greatest days of joy. From the 17th of Tammuz until Tisha B'Av, we have 21 days. What does 21 represent? So we have a verse in Tehillim in Psalms 73, verse number 1, that says, Ach, toiv Yisrael, only good for the Jewish people. On one hand, the word ach means pain, ach. When, when something hurts, you go, ach, och and vey. On the other hand, ach, if you add up ach, you have alef, which is one, and chaf is 20, you have 21. That toiv Israel, the good for the Jewish people, will be ach, will be 21 days. That these 21 days, starting from the 17th of Tammuz, until we get to Tisha B'Av, is 21 days that are going to be the best days for the Jewish people when it comes to the, the, the revelation of Mashiach. Ach toiv Israel, only good for the Jews. It's interesting that the Talmud tells us that the world was created for 6,000 years. The first 2,000 years is chaos. The second 2,000 years is Torah. And the third 2,000 years is Mashiach. So what do we see? That Mashiach comes right after the 2,000 years of Torah. So when a Jew studies Torah, even on Tisha B'Av, the Torah that he's allowed to learn, this brings about the Ge'ulah, this brings about the redemption. 21 is also connected to almonds. It says the fastest growing fruit is the almond, and it takes the almond 21 days to grow. And an almond in Hebrew is called shekedim. Shekedim means swift. Which is the reason why when Korach rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And God wanted to show the world that Aaron is the true chosen one. So what did he do? God tells Moses, let all the leaders of the tribes give a stick, give a staff, we'll put it into the Holy of Holies. And the staff that will sprout first, we will know he is the true leader. And we all know the story that the staff of Aaron sprouted almonds. Why Shkadim? To teach us that, number one, someone who starts up with the Kohanim will be punished very swiftly, very quickly. But on a positive note, that the blessing of the Kohanim are also very swiftly. When a Kohen gives a bracha, the bracha takes place one, two, three. And the same is here with the Geula. The idea that these three weeks represent the destruction. And then we're told that these three weeks will bring about the Geula. We specifically give these three weeks 21 days. For 21 represents swift. That any moment Mashiach can come. And the Jews believe in Mashiach is that I know that Mashiach is coming today. And even though things look terrible, and even though things make no sense, and even though the whole world's in turmoil, how can Mashiach come under all these circumstances? 
Mashiach's coming is like 21. Very swift, and the whole world will be transformed in a very, very short time. So we spoke about 17, which means good. We spoke about 21, that is only good, and represents swiftness. So now, we need to talk about the ninth of Av, Tisha B'Av. At the end of the 21 days, we have the fast of Tisha B'Av. On one hand, the saddest day of the year. On the other hand, the Gemara tells us that Mashiach was born in the midst of the ashes of the burning of the Holy Temple. And according to the Jerusalem Talmud, Mashiach was conceived on Tisha B'Av. So what is the idea of Tisha B'Av? What is the idea of the ninth day? If you look into the Echa, if you look into chapter 2, verse number 9, it says over there, Tavu v'aretz sh'areha, that the gates of the temple sunk into the ground. It's Pasuk number 9. The Pasuk number 9 begins with the letter Tes, which is the ninth letter of the olive base that has the gematria of nine. And this word, Tavu, means it's sunk into the ground. The Tes is a small Tes. And don't forget, Jeremiah Hanavi, Jeremiah the prophet, wrote the Echa. And he was instructed to write this word with a small test to imply, as the Mincha Shai explains, the ninth of, of, the day of Tisha B'Av. So on one hand, it's a small test. Represents destruction. Today we have our heads down, we mourn. On the other hand, we know that Amman tells us that the purpose of Tisha B'Av is to be the greatest holiday of the year. So where do we find this transformation? But if you look into the book of Kehelis, the book of Ecclesiastes, written by King Solomon, the smartest of all men, he says, don't be so sad. Be smart. Use your brains. Realize what is the purpose of this day. What do we find? He says in Kehelis, in chapter number 7, Toiv shame mishem and toiv. It's better to have a good name than good oil. The word toiv, good, has a big test. So here we see that we take the small test and we transform it to the big test. And that is the tenth, the ninth of the day of of. And test, we know, also stands for the word toiv, which is good. The word good, which is 17, also starts with a test. 
So we started with 17, which is good, and we end with the letter test, which is good. So it's good in the beginning and good in the end. One more interesting detail. In Echa, the small test, as we said earlier, is found in chapter 2, and verse number 9. It says over there, Tavu, which means it's sunk. So the small test is by Tavu. In Keheles and Ecclesiastes, the big test is by the word Toiv. Now, the letters Toiv is Tes, Vav, and Bez. Three letters, which equals 17. Something which is good is Tes, Vav, and Bez. Here, Tavu are the same three letters. You have a Tes, you have a Bez, you have a Vav. But it's a different order. And you also have the letter Ayin over here. One extra letter. Because the Toiv is there, but you don't see it. It's farmished. Our job is to straighten out the letters, put it in the right perspective, and see the good. And then you see the Toiv plus the Ayin. When you have difficulty... And you have to straighten things out and put things in perspective. And then you see the good, you have more than good. You have toiv plus the letter ayin. Ayin means to see. You see the good. And furthermore, ayin represents leadership. The number that represents ayin or leadership is ayin, which is 70. Because we have six attributes plus the seventh, which is malchus, kingship. So seven times ten is 70. So one reaches this level of 70 reaches the level of leadership. So first you have to conquer all your seven emotions, times 10, every detail of these seven emotions, then you can truly be a real leader of Israel. And that's why in the Haggadah, Rabbi Lozab ben Isaiah says, I was like 70 years old, even though he was 18. But he had the qualities of a 70-year-old. He was a person that truly transforms entire psyche. And by reality, he was able to lead the Jewish people. So if you have a difficulty, and you have a hardship, and you're able to sort things out and bring clarity, then you're a leader. Things that are good, that you're doing good, what's the big deal? Where do we need leaders? And when do we see leaders? And when are leaders born? When there's chaos, when there's hardship. And we see how that person deals under that stress and under that hardship. And he's able to bring about toiv. That's a leader. So we started with Toiv. It was a big test. Very nice. But there was no eye in there. We didn't see the leadership. But when we come to Tisha B'Av, and we see Tovu, how the gates sank into the ground, and there was chaos, and there was difficulty. And now you're able to put things in proper perspective. Then you have Toiv Ayin. Then you have a good eye. And then you see the good with your own very eyes. On a deeper level, we are told in Kabbalah that there are tests, Firot, there are nine attributes from above to below, and nine attributes from below to above. We know there are ten attributes. The tenth is Malchus, is kingship, is action. So the nine feed into the tenth. So the, the energy and the light that goes into the tenth are nine. So nine represents potential. 
So you have nine from top to below, and nine from below to the top. Nine and nine is 18. We know that there are 18 blessings in the Amidah, which is the source of all the needs that a person needs, from health to parnasa to sustenance to success to clarity of mind and clarity of heart. All the blessings a person needs are found in the Amidah. How does the words of the Amidah go to heaven? Now, why do the words of the Amidah have to go to heaven? So the story told with the Baal Shem Tov, that once the Baal Shem Tov came into a synagogue, and he was brought into the synagogue by the president of the community. He said, come, join me. And he was trying to go into the synagogue, but he couldn't walk in. The president said, please, Baal Shem Tov, please, we want to honor you. Come into the shul. He said, I can't get in here. It's so full. He says, nobody here, just me and you. And maybe one or two of the officers of the synagogue. What do you mean you can't come in? He says, the shul is filled with words of Torah and prayer. These words, these letters never left the synagogue. They were said in the synagogue, but it never went up to heaven. They were too heavy. Too heavy with arrogance. Too heavy with narcissism. Too heavy with ego. Too heavy with sin. The letters couldn't fly up. I can't come into the shul. It's too packed. How do we clear out the synagogue? How do you make it empty? There's an angel called Malach Matat. Matat. Matat is two tesses. This angel Matat is able to lift up all the prayers and he brings it to heaven. That's his job. So on Tisha B'Av, we have the ability to clean ourselves out. We have the ability to purify ourselves. We have the ability to refine all of our words and all of our letters that we said throughout the entire year, that all the prayers are able to go to its proper place. So when you ask a question, I'm praying God, how come you don't listen? The answer is, the letter never got to its destination. You have to put a stamp on the letter to make sure it gets to the destination. If you don't put a stamp, which is heart, used to be 32 cents. When you have heart, you put the heart into the words, then it gets to its destination. If you don't put the stamp on the words, it stays in the shul. So it's not enough that you blabber and you say words and you pay lip service, but it's important that the words become refined. Comes to above once a year. And we have this test, the big test and the small test. When we bring it together, we're able to refine all of our words. And so the words and the letters stand before the Kisei cover. It comes before Almighty God. And God hears our prayers, and our prayers finally get answered. And that's why a fast day is so important, because a fast day, we're not eating, and we don't run to, to make money. It's a day that we dive in properly, so our prayers are heard. Test 9 also represents the nine tikkis, the nine shofar blasts that we blow on Rosh Hashanah. It also represents the nine prayers, the nine blessings that we say in the prayer service on the Musaf service of Rosh Hashanah. And also the test, the two tests represent the Teitofah is Bein a sign between your eyes, which is the Tefillin. 
The word letetofa is a sign has two tests in it, representing good and better good. The good that we see and the good that we have to transform in order to see, which is even a greater good than the good to begin with. We're talking about letters and numbers. So we find ourselves on Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av. We have the number nine. But the ninth of Av comes after three weeks. Three represents the three fathers. Three represents the third holy temple. Three represents strength. Chazaka says if you own a field for three years, it's a proof that it's yours. If you do something three times, then you're more ready to do it again. A rope of three strings cannot be severed quickly. A chair that has three legs will be properly balanced. So three represents security, balance, strength. Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of Av, is three times three. Because to get to nine, you have to do three and a three and a three. Representing something which is very strong, something which is truly balanced, something that is really redemptive. But you can also say that nine is three times three, times three. How much is three times three, times three? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven are the letters in the olive base. Now, normally we say there are 22 letters in the olive base, but if you add the five end letters, called mansapach, you actually have 27 letters. And therefore, 27 is zach, Zach is purity. When you say the letters properly, you refine yourself, you purify yourself. You clean yourself, you cleanse yourself. You have true purity. You refine yourself for the third holy temple. It's interesting that we speak about 21. But what about if we continue 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27? Which is 3 times 3 times 3, which is 9. What do you have? The 15th day of the month of Av. It says, There was never a greater day of joy for the Jewish people than the 15th day of Av. When the Jewish single girls would go out into the field and they would dance. And they'd say, Bachor, Sonoi, Nechor, A, boys, lift up your eyes and see and choose yourself a bride. Now, this day represents the reunion between God and the Jewish people. When the temple was destroyed, our Bachor, our spouse, left us. On the 15th of Av, God comes back. He comes back home. It's a reunion. And this concept is hinted in the three weeks which is times nine, which is 27. Now, it's interesting, if you add up all the letters of the olive base, 
Which is Allah plus Gimel plus Gimel plus Dalit plus Hey plus Vav plus Zayin plus Ches. All the way Tuf, Shin, Tuf. Plus these five additional letters. What do you have? You have 1775. Now what is 1775? It's a year before 1776. It's almost a good year. 1775 is as follows. When does a child begin to learn Torah? We spoke about the study of Torah today. That Torah brings about Geula, it brings about redemption. Jacob represents Torah. In Egypt, Jacob lived the best years of his life because he studied Torah. When does a child begin to learn Torah? At what age? Ben Chomesh Lemikra. At the age of five, he begins to learn Torah. A child begins Torah at the age of five. Until five, what does he do? Watches TV. Chas v'shalom. God forbid. So till the age of five, what are you teaching the child? Till the age of five, you're teaching the child olive base. What's an olive? What's a base? What's a gimel? You're showing him the graphic design of each letter. The gematria of each letter, the meaning of each letter, the Kabbalah of each letter. For the first five years, that's what you teach a child. What is the word for year in Hebrew? Shana. How do you spell Shana? Shin, Nun, Hey. Shin is 300. Nun is 50. Hey is 5. 355. So for five years, for five Shanas, he's learning the olive base. 355. Times five is seventeen seventy-five. This is not my word. The Rebbe's father says this. So we have now the concept of Zoch, that the whole purpose of creation, says the Rebbe, is Zoch to purify the body. The whole purpose of creation is Zoch to purify the world. The whole purpose of creation is uh, to purify ourselves. Comes Tisha B'Av, we have to refocus, we have to realize that now is the opportunity on a very simple level to learn more Torah. And by doing this, we have three weeks times the ninth of Av, which is 27, we have Zach, we have this purity. And this purity will be seen in the third base of Mikdash, the third holy temple that very soon will come down from heaven. And then we will see how Mashiach, who is the greatest tzaddik of the world, and we know a tzaddik is called tzaddik yisoyed oilam. A tzaddik is the, is the bonding or the foundation of the whole world. Because this tzaddik, this Mashiach, will be a person that will teach us Torah, but Torah on a whole new level. To end with a story... Kotzke Rebbe once said that when Mashiach will come, there's going, to be, there's going to be a big line across the globe to shake Mashiach's hand. He's going to be a celebrity. We waited for him almost, you know, a long, long time. So everybody's going to stand in line to shake the Mashiach's hand. The Kotzke said, Where do you think I'm going to stand? The student said, you, Heli Kotzke, you fronted a line. 
you should be the first one to greet the Mashiach. He says, no, 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 you have it all wrong. I'm going to be at the end of the line. He says, why? You should be at the front of the line. He says, very simple. Mashiach is going to come to the first town and shake all the rabbis' hands and all the people's hands. He'll come to the second town, the third town, and the first country and the second country. He's going to go all around the whole globe. And finally, finally, he's going to come and see me, meet me. Where were you all this time? At that moment, I'm going to turn to Mashiach. I'm going to say, Mashiach, where were you all this time? So we hope and pray that this should be the last Tishabav of fasting, but it should be the first Tishabav of celebration where we should see the true toiv, the true good in our lives, the true toiv in the world, and the true toiv with the coming of Mashiach and the rebuilding of the Third Holy Temple, Mehdi Bimenu, Amen.